have a Bible, turn with me, if you will, please, to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Today we're going to be in verse number 4 through verse number 6. We started off last week in verse number 1, went through verse number 3. Last week we started a seven-week series here in Hebrews chapter 11 where we're dealing with what has often been referred to as the Hall of Faith or the Hall of Fame of Faith. And that is because the author of Hebrews wants to show us what this looks like, what the Christian life is supposed to have been lived like. Largely, the people of Israel had failed to do that, but there were some people along the way that really got what God was trying to say to them and lived accordingly, and the author of Hebrews wants us to make sure that we see that. So we'll be today in verse number four through verse number seven. I have to say, it is nice to have some people back in the room, but I think I'm going to have to learn how to do that again. Uh, I mean, I remember when I started preaching in front of people, that was something you had to get used to. And uh, then, of course, COVID-19 happened, and I had to get used to speaking to a camera. Well, I felt like we got used to doing that, and now all of a sudden there's people again. So we're learning how to do all of this again. But we are incredibly grateful that we're where, we at, where, we're, where we're at in our state and in our city, and that we have the opportunity to begin opening back up and look forward to seeing you all very soon. Read with me right now, if you would, Hebrews 11, verse number 4 through verse number 7. The author of Hebrews says this, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he, it, through it, he being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him, for before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warmed of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear and prepared the ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith." Father, bless us, we pray, as we read your word again today, as we study it, as we give ourselves to it. We pray that, God, you'd make it clear to us what you're saying, that you'd give me great skill and precision with your word, that you'd give me accuracy, and that all the things I might say or be inclined to hint at that would not be accurate would simply be forgotten. Uh, Father, we pray that you just help me as I do this, and that God, through this time, through your preaching of your word and even the moving of your spirit, God, that you do the things in our lives that we can't do. That, God, you'd draw us to yourself, that you would cultivate us and nurture us in godliness, and that you would conform us to the image of your Son. Lord, we love you so much, and we give ourselves to you. We ask you to bless us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me ask you a question. How do you learn to do most things in your life? Uh, So, for example, I mean, like, have you ever played, I don't know if any of you are, are board game types of people or game types of people. The Do Crew, we are game people. We like to play games, whether those are board games, card games, or whatever. And I've learned this about learning games over the years. You can sit down with the instructions and read the instructions for 20 minutes, and after about the first minute and a half, nobody's really paying attention to it anymore, and so you're just kind of wasting your time going through the instructions of learning how to play this game. Often it is the case that you learn the game best when someone simply says, look, here's the objective. Let's play around together and you'll see it. And you just jump in and begin playing the game. We learn best 
by people showing us how to do it. We learn best by imitating other people. Think about the vast majority of things that people learn in their lives. They learn it when they're children. And how is it that children learn? They learn by watching mommy and daddy, brother and sister, and other people in their life. We learn best by watching people and imitating people. Now, with that in mind, we're going to look at several people now over the next six weeks where the author of Hebrews is going to bring us one person after another after another for us to see and to watch and to imitate. Last week we saw in verse number one through three, we saw the nature of faith and then we saw the benefits of faith. The faith is, in short, the foundation of the Christian life because faith is your belief response, your trust response to God. It's you believing Him and trusting Him and now living your lives accordingly because you believe Him and trust Him. And now the power of God and the grace of God and the strength of God work in and through your life in everything that you do. That's essentially what faith is. And then he goes on to talk to us about, well, why it's beneficial. It's beneficial because we can gain salvation, we can gain wisdom, and all of these types of things. Now from verse number 4 all the way through the rest of the chapter, the author of Hebrews, it's as though he says, let me show you. Let me show you what this looks like by pointing you to several people that have gone before us that have demonstrated for us what this is supposed to be like. And we begin today with Abel, with Enoch, and with Noah. One of those is very well known to us, Noah. We teach that story to our children. We don't teach as much about Abel, and we know almost nothing about Enoch. But the author of Hebrews is going to hold all three of these up for us and say, listen, this is what it's supposed to look like. Now just very quickly, let me tie it in once again to the whole book of Hebrews here real quick because we haven't had a chance to study chapters 1 through 10. For 10 chapters, the author of Hebrews is doing really two big things. Number one, he's showing us that Jesus is better. Better than the law, better than the prophets, better than Melchizedek, better than fill in the blank of anything else that the Jewish people would have been, would have been inclined to embrace and to trust. The Jewish people were constantly of the opinion and of the mindset that the law could save them, that the law could make them righteous. The law clearly does reveal righteousness to us, but the law was powerless to actually make us righteous. This is what Paul is saying in the book of Galatians. The, the author of Hebrews now wants us to see that Jesus is better than the law and all these other Old Testament things precisely because he not only reveals righteousness, but he has the power to make us righteous and to give righteousness to us. Now, the other thing that the author of Hebrews is showing throughout those 10 chapters is not only is Jesus better, that they should have been looking the whole time to Jesus Christ, but the second thing he wants them to see is that they had failed to do that. They'd failed to live by faith. They'd failed to live by faith in God's promise that there is a Messiah that's coming to them, and instead they trusted in all the other things, whether it's the law or the prophets or themselves, they trusted in those things, and the author of Hebrews wants us to see that it's by faith of looking to the Son of God that we are to live. Now, with that in mind, he gives us the examples. Largely, the children of Israel had failed to do that. But it's not the case that everybody failed. There were some indeed in that midst that listened and had ears to hear and eyes to see and comprehended and now lived their lives accordingly. And so that is chapter 11, the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Fame of Faith. 
these people that have gone before us and lived by faith. We begin with Abel in verse number 4. Now, this is what I want you to see. The first thing I want you to see is that in the picture of Abel, faith leads to sacrificial offerings. Listen, part of being a follower of God and a child of God is that we are to live our lives as a sacrificial offering back to Him. We're to give our very being back to Him. It's not just some things that God wants. Listen, God's not interested in part of you, pieces of you, little compartmentalized parts of your life or anything like that. Listen, let's be very clear. What God expects from me and from you is absolute, complete, total obedience in everything. That's what He wants. He wants all of me and He wants all of you. He wants my heart, my soul, my body, my being and everything. That's what He wants. My life is to be poured back as an offering and that's a rather hefty price tag, isn't it? Well, Abel shows us that, listen, when you walk by faith, it's actually not that hard to do at all. Verse number five, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying his gifts, and though he being dead, he still speaks. In other words, God gave Abel a testimony that radiated not only through his day and age, but through all of the ages. And here we sit in the year 2020 in North America, and we still speak of Abel. But what was it that Abel did? Well, we go back to Genesis chapter 4. And really, the whole chapter there, Genesis chapter 4, kind of gives the chronology of this story here where Cain and Abel both make a sacrifice. And after you get past about verse 7, ultimately what happens is, is Cain takes his anger into his hands and he kills his brother. And then the rest of the chapter is about God dealing with Cain and giving Adam and Eve a new son in Seth that he would bless. Chapter 4, verse number 2 through verse number 7, here's what the Bible says. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought the first, firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering And Cain was very angry, his countenance fell, so that the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desires for you, but you should rule over it. This is the encounter that God has with Cain and with Abel. It's a very interesting story here. not quite sure know what to make of this. We're not told, that is to say, we're not told exactly why it is that God respects Abel's offering but not Cain's. We speculate. Some people have speculated these ways. Some people have said, well, blood offerings are preferred to grain offerings. Maybe that's the reason. Well, it's certainly true that there's something a little heftier in a blood offering than in a grain offering. But look, the hard thing with that is, is that clearly throughout the Old Testament, God would call for and accept various kinds of grain offerings. And so it's hard to say that that's exactly the issue. Another speculation, people have said, well, maybe God just disapproves of Cain's vocation. He's a tiller of the ground, whereas Abel is a worker of the sheep. He works with the sheep, whereas Cain deals with the ground and the fruit of the ground and all of those things. Well, that can't be right, because prior to Cain and Abel both being born in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, what is Adam's vocation? The vocation that God himself gave Adam 
It was to work the ground and to till the ground and to cultivate the ground. It was to farm in precisely the same ways that Cain is, in fact, doing. So that can't be it either. So what exactly are we to make about this? Well, in short, what God saw in Abel's offering versus Cain's offering is something better. And we could say it this way. Abel's offering was respected and it reflected worship of God and Cain's did not. Cain brought an offering... But Abel brought a sacrifice. It's as though, uh, we have to read in here, but what, what, we, what we think is right here is that Cain ultimately just grabs something, eh, I'll give this to God. Kind of flippant, kind of cavalier, not much thought, certainly not something that cost, was costly to him. Certainly not something that was sacrificial to him. And it's, I'll, I'll take this fruit and I'll give it to God. Whereas when Abel makes an offering to God, he has to kill an animal. And it says not only does he bring a, a, a living creature that he's slaughtered, but he even brings the firstborn and the fat of it, which is to say Abel brings the very, very, very best that he has to God. Let me just ask a question here this morning. Is that how we give Is that how we serve? Do we serve like Cain, who basically, ah, you know, I'm available here and then, and I can give this without much hurt or cost to myself, and I'll give that to God? Or do we give like Abel, that which is most dear to us, that which is most important to us, that which is our very, very best, and we offer it to God? Listen, when Abel gave to God, it was costly. It hurt It spent something. It was a genuine sacrifice. Listen, what God is after is our heart. What God wants is me and my devotion at the depths of my being and the core of my life. And we get at that when we start touching on the things in life that are the most important to us. Our tendency will always be like Cain's to take that around us, which is so important and so dear to us, and say, God, you can take anything you want, but not these things. And ultimately, when that is our posture, we've identified where our God really is. Our God is not above us. Our God is not the one who created us. Our God are the things around us that we love and we adhere to and we cleave to and we refuse to let go. And there's a good old-fashioned word throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament to describe this. It's called idolatry. And God hates it. Anytime there's something in your life that you refuse to let go and give to God, that's an idol. And any time there's idolatry, it brings the displeasure of God. Not surprisingly, therefore, God does not respect Cain's offering because it doesn't cost him anything. But with Abel's offering, it costs him something. And in giving that costly gift to God, just like the woman who pours out the alabaster flask of fragrant oil on Jesus' feet, I mean, this is her life savings. If there's anything people cleave to, it's their life savings. And what she's doing is she now pours it out on the feet of our Lord as if to say, you are more precious to me than anything this world would give me. Than anything that I could cleave to. In short, Abel worships and Cain goes through the motions. That's the problem. This is what faith looks like. Faith moves us to worship, to give sacrificially. Faith moves us to pour our lives out and give to God everything we have, our very, very best. 
But going through the motions simply grabs something nearby that will do. By faith, sacrificial offerings are made. We now can make our lives a, a sacrificial offering to God. And so let me just say this to us by way of application. Listen, when it comes to our giving, when it comes to our worship, approach it with the mindset of worship. What you're giving, what you're pouring out to God is unto God. And He is worth more. Offer something that expresses that worship. Listen, I know in our churches and in our context, we talk a lot about 10% of tithing. Look, yeah, absolutely, that's a great place to start. That's a wonderful frame of mind to begin with. Start off with 10% of everything that God gives you. You give to Him and His work through the local church. That's a great way to start. But understand this. There are some of you that giving 10%, it hurts and it hurts deeply. There are some of you that it, it, giving 5% hurts and it hurts deeply. But there are some of you that could give 50% and you wouldn't miss it. What God wants is worship. I don't know what that means for you. I don't know how you need to apply that. But I'm just telling you what God wants is worship. An expression of sacrifice which says to our Lord, you are worth more to me than any of the riches of this world. We're going to see this again, by the way, when we get to Moses and how he forsakes the passing pleasures of Egypt so that he could be numbered with the people of God. He took on poverty and forsook luxury so that he could please the Father. Number two, faith leads to a divine pleasure. Look at the life of Enoch in verse number 5. Let me, let me start. Verse number 5 and verse number 6. We'll come to it in just a second. Let me read to you from the book of Genesis, though. Genesis chapter 5. Jared lived 160 years and he begot Enoch. There's this very interesting parallel between the children of Canaan and the children of Seth. We're now, there's two Enochs and there's several descendants that follow, sort of mirror each other. We're dealing with the descendants of Seth here. Jared lives 162 years and he begets, begots Enoch. Enoch, listen to this, lived 65 years. He begot Methuselah. And after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and he had sons and daughters. Now watch this. And so all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Wow. There's a lot of people in the, in the Bible that are big figures that did impressive things for God that God esteemed and loved and was pleased with that says so much about him. We don't have that about Enoch. We have just a few short verses, six verses about him. And what we're told is that he had children and he walked with God and God was pleased with him. So pleased indeed that he takes him up. One of the very few people in the Bible that God takes up and they never experience death. Because God was pleased with him. And then the author of Hebrews tells us now in verse number 5 through 6, we're told, some people could speculate if all you had was the Genesis 5 account, that well maybe Enoch didn't die, he just had some other transition or something. Well, no, verse number 5 in the book of Hebrews now, chapter 11. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. So there you have it. And he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken he had this testimony that he pleased God. And now it is in light of that statement that the author of Hebrews says to us one of the more important verses in chapter 11. It's a verse that I referenced to you last week. Verse number 6. Without faith it is impossible to please Him. I said to you last week, you can't give enough. You can't, you can't come enough. You can't participate enough. You can't sing loud enough. Folks, you can go through the motions of Christianity. But if you don't have faith in God, which is to say, trust Him and obey. To have faith means you trust Him and you obey. 
without that trust and obedience, which is to say faith, you cannot please God. But Enoch did. Enoch walked with God. He pleased God, so much so that God spared him death and just took him up. And now the author of Hebrews wants you and me to hear these words. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now he says this, For he who comes to God, that is, you want to walk, you want to walk with him? All right. He who comes to God must believe that he is, that is, you must believe that he actually exists and is who he says he is and has done what he said he would do, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Which is to say, you want to walk with God, you got to believe him that he will bless you and that he will respond to you as you live obediently. And unless we're willing to do that, we can't please the Father. But Enoch does, and Enoch did. I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 and verse number 8, part of the Beatitudes. He says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. Wow. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That is to say, man, if you pursue Him that way, you hunger for Him that way, you desire Him that way, and you pursue it, He will be found of you. Third and final thing I want you to see here. We've seen three things so far. Faith led to sacrificial offering. Faith led to divine pleasure. Thirdly, faith leads to salvation. This is the story of Noah. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of the things not yet seen. Remember last week I said to you from verse number 3, by faith you're able to understand some things that you could not otherwise see. Well, Noah can't see it. There's never even been rain in his day. He can't see the weather predictions. To hear this report of what's to come would sound silly to him and to anybody else on earth. But if God is speaking and can see the future, it's not so silly after all. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not seen, he moved, see the trust and obey, he moved with godly fear, he prepared an ark. Can you imagine how foolish he would have seemed? He prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Here's Noah, who had faith and his life was spared because of it. Now, when I talk about faith leading to salvation, let let me put that in two ways, two real ways. Number one, an eternal salvation. This is what we talked about earlier in the service when I read from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. By his wounds, by his stripes we are healed. He has borne our griefs. He has taken away our iniquities. By trusting him, that is to believe and place your faith in him, he forgives, cleanses, and redeems and makes you a son or daughter of Christ and gives you eternal life. That's one kind of salvation that comes to us by faith. But there's another kind that's a little more practical, a little more day-to-day. Listen, I can just say it to you this way. The Christian is not someone who never faces hardships. The Christian is not someone who never hits a bump in a road or has problems. But a Christian is someone that I think we could all give testimony to that on the whole, across the whole topography of our life, A Christian is someone who's given him or herself to walking in God's truth and in God's path, and because of that, things are well with them. 
Man, I can look at my life before I came to faith in Christ, and because of my sin and the destruction that it brought, all I had was a sea of difficulty and destruction. And I can look on June 16, 1995, the night that I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I look from that day until now, and I see the hand of God protecting me, blessing me, and preserving me, and it has been well with me. Now, I'll just simply say, I mean, this is kind of the whole point of the book of Proverbs, Right? To obey God and to walk with Him is life-giving, and it will be well with you. And so, brother or sister, walk by faith and let God bless you. This is what faith looks like. Again, how do we learn? We learn by watching others do it. And the author of Hebrews is now going to showcase so many people for us from the Old Testament that walked by faith and showed us how to do it. I hope and I pray that as we go forward and as we dig through this book, that we will respond obediently with open ears and open hearts to what God is trying to say to us. As we close our sermon down, as we open up a time of invitation here, maybe you're comfortable today just asking in a comment for a particular kind of prayer request. You can mention that in the comment, and people in the body of Christ will see that and they'll pray for you. If you feel comfortable doing that, then drop that in there so that we can be praying for you as the body. Maybe you want to reach out to us. You want to email us or call us and we can talk with you. Even this afternoon, we'd be glad to talk with you. But would you reach out to us so we can talk with you? If you feel like your concern is a bit more private, we would be glad to talk with that. You can text the the number on the screen there and it will guide you into how you can reach us on that. Or maybe you want to set up an appointment to talk some later time. However it is that the Lord's leading you today. I simply ask that you'd be be faithful and obedient to him and do as he's leading you to do today. Father, bless us, we pray, as we close down our service. Help us to be faithful. Help us to walk in faith in everything we do. As others have gone before us and have done this, help us to do that now. We love you, we bless you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.